And that's what I decided. I'm going to murder my mother. But I didn't feel that I had to uh, face what I had done ever. He killed 33 times. I'm the king, man. I decide who's does what and where they do it at. So next time you see me, <laughs> I will kill you. Yeah, I guess. You can't carry the show on my back. Why are y'all so complicated? Cause I'm, we're not complicated. You're, you're being complicated. What are you talking about? I you're used the drunk. voice, you so don't it even means, know what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, right yeah, now. yeah, perhaps. Moving on. What are we talking yeah. about today? We got, uh, we got the intro going. What? No, dude, slow down. You're no, going no, way no, too no, fast. Hey, so the you're ending. What, how did it end? How did it end? <laughs> <laughs> no, you're going way too fast, man. You gotta back it up. I need okay. chill, Johnny. Got it, chill, Johnny. So chill, Johnny. Hey, okay. what's up, guys? Uh. Joe Johnny here. This is the worst episode. <laughs> it's never been this difficult. Are you good? Yeah, yeah, dude. What's up? We're good. Okay. No. Uh, we're talking about two things today. It's kind of a shipwreck episode. I know it's not exactly true crime, but if you have a fucking problem with it, you can let us know. Uh, one of them is a crime. The other one is just very gruesome. Uh, but we're talking about uh, Terry Joe Duperalt, which was... Uh, a little girl whose family was murdered and she was stranded at sea. And then we're also talking about the USS Indianapolis, which was a very crazy shipwreck that happened during World War II uh, that uh, a, a lot of people died during that one. And it's kind of weird because we just talked about uh, uh, World War II on the last episode on the, the uh, fucking yeah, Unit 731. Yeah, yeah, chemical warfare, man. Yeah. Yeah, I try to forget about it, so I, I forgot the name of it. Welcome to the show, guys. This is A Chilling Truth. I am Corey, and we got Johnny and Meredith here as well. Hey. Um, nope. And this is your third episode now, right, Meredith? You did uh, Ted Bundy, and part two, and then you did the Unit 731, and now this one. So, yeah. Yay! She's part of the... Oh, you're part of the Well, she's been sure. part of the show. Well, no, yeah, but yeah, but I mean, three episodes. Like, we like having you around. Yeah, it's definitely a good mix, and uh, yeah. Family. We've gotten a well, little bit of feedback, uh, and people like Meredith, so that's good. Yes, people Definitely want more of Meredith, though. So you, yeah, you gotta, you gotta step in there and. Uh, you gotta bring take the, the energy. Reins. Yeah, people, people dig you. you gotta. Keep I need you, you guys to match. I need you to match my energy. Yeah, no, that, that, I mean that's why I like having you around. You just kind of rein us in because we're I think kids. I am matching your energy as we progress, Corey. Like I'm, You're just getting more I'm comfortable, and that's to. fine. No, 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 I, and I guess I should have added that earlier, but no, I, I definitely did disclose that to the uh, anonymous uh, tip giver, but, uh, you know, we, we both acknowledge that you are new and you're just kind of filling it out, but, yeah, they like you nonetheless and they want to hear from you, but... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so should we get to what we're talking about today? Yeah, we should get to what we're talking about. All right. Okay, so today we're talking about... Two things, if you guys obviously read the title, we're talking about shipwrecks today. One of them does involve a crime, uh, and the other one is just very gruesome. So it's not exactly true crime, but if you have a problem with that, you can go on iTunes on your podcast app, and you can leave us a review <laughs> and let us know that you didn't like it or that you did like it. <coughs> We'd really appreciate it. It would help us out quite a bit. Uh, but no, the first thing we're going to talk about is... Uh, this little girl, her name is Terry Jo Duperall. Well, she's not a little girl anymore, but she was when this happened. So she, uh, her father always wanted to, like, live like a sailor. 
as far as like not being in the navy, but as far as like sailing around the ocean and like fucking I don't know, fishing. I don't know what families do that like take a year and like sail around. They just like look at the water and like fish and tan. I don't. I've never been on a boat on the ocean, so I don't. Well, I mean, besides like a work boat, so I don't. Wait, really you've know never what been out just like fishing on a boat? Or like whale watching? No, we're not. Okay, we're not all rich people. In his defense, yes. what? No, hey, I I spent six years in the Navy, and I've never once done like a charter fishing trip. So like, like for totally fun, I've been yeah, on a yeah, kayak yeah. in the ocean, yeah. but I wasn't no, I, like I, I've out seen, in the middle I've seen of the, the seven ocean. seas, or damn near most of it. But yeah, no, like I've. I've always wanted to do a charter fishing trip, but but I, yeah, I've never done. Guess it. What? I want to know why I sound rich. There, it looks the same boy. as the water up here. What? Because you're like you've never. I can't believe you've never been out fishing on a gigantic boat in the middle. I didn't of the, say a no, gigantic boat, just that. a regular flat bottom impossible. boat. You did say it. You did say it like everyone does it. Yeah, you said you've never done okay, that. Okay, I like, live. I, I live by. How, I grew up like, on the ocean. What do you okay. mean you've never been in the middle of the ocean with a fishing pole? Yeah, no, I've never done it. <laughs> My grandfather used yeah, to yeah. build boats. And after reading this, I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be on, like, a ship like that. I don't know. That's scary. Well, a yacht. I suppose it was a yacht. Or a sailboat. What? I don't know. The th- the th- everything I read, one thing said sailboat, one thing said yacht. Yeah. One thing said both. I don't know if it's, like, <clears throat> the same thing. So, uh, Arthur Duperalt, uh, he always wanted, like I said, he always wanted to live the life of a sailor. And he had a dream of living a year out on the ocean. And they lived in Wisconsin. So obviously it was fucking freezing up there. And it was com- it was getting close to wintertime. And so they were like, fuck this. Let's do it now so we don't have to be in this place during the wintertime. So in 1961, he had made enough or saved enough money, I guess, to fulfill his dream. Uh, as the Wisconsin winter was approaching, he packed up his family, his wife, Jean, or Jean. I don't know which, what it would be. I guess Spell Jean. It. Spell it. Je- I think jeans, it's Jean, like jeans, that's like how you pants. say my middle name, and that's how it's spelt, so... All right, well, Let's go with okay. the Jean well, in the room. All right, Jean. So his wife, Jean, his son, Brian, who was 14, and his daughters, Terry Jo, who was 11, and Renee, who was 7 years old, and they headed to the Bahamas. So they were going to spend a week on the sea to, you know, test the waters... I actually wrote that joke in the script myself. You guys I like how you added like a little hat. <laughs> like you wanted everybody to catch that. <laughs> yeah, I even put LOL in the script. Did you oh, see that's it right hilarious. There? I no, I love it. I love it even more now. Yeah, for Thank sure. Thank you. Uh, so basically they wanted to see if it went well, and if it did, they would extend their vacation. So they went to Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and had uh, rented a yacht. It was called the Blue Bell, and it was a two-masted sailboat. See? All of this is coming from Reader's Digest, if you guys remember that fucking <laughs> tiny that magazine that you would read at your aunt's house. I don't that's, know if it's still a thing. Okay, well. Uh, but there's still a website. It's This story is still up on the internet. So it said a yacht, and then it says sailboat. I guess a yacht isn't necessarily, like, a giant boat, but it's a, like, big enough boat. I don't know what constitutes a yacht. Um, or not. <laughs> I, I think it's just a... Yeah, as far as you're... If you're asking footage, I have no idea, but I... You know, it's it's a it's a self. It's a bigger boat than I can afford. Yeah, it's a self-sufficient boat. 
Oh yeah, let's ask the expert. Well, no, but I would assume. That, I mean, other than not having a sail, I would assume that a yacht is just anything that's like self-sufficient. You can take it out to sea and you well, can just anchor out, and you're you're big, fine. A yacht is a big boat which has an engine, I believe, and then. Yeah, but there's so many parameters to that. Well, yeah. I mean, you can I have like shoveling a, you can have a thirty-foot yacht. Between a sailboat and a yacht. There is, but. It kind of changes the grading scale when you look at a sailboat on Google, and then you Google search an image of Jerry Jones, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys football team, his yacht, and it's over 100 yards. His yacht is okay, larger than a go. football okay. field. So, so, yeah, it's like... Yacht, listen, yachts are not generally used for commercial purposes, but are luxury recreational vehicles... And they can either be sailing yachts or powerboat yachts. So everybody's right. Well, sail, like, sailboats have Everybody motors gets on the metal, them. Equality. Oh, that's so lame. Good job, guys. Whatever. That's not what we're shooting for. But all sailboats uh, sailboats have motors on them. Like if it's like twenty eight, like thirty feet or longer, it's gonna have a motor on it in case you don't want to like roll. In case we're you can't a rely lot on a lot of time on boats. Okay. Well, it's been about Moving twenty minutes. High. Just <laughs> okay. So Julian Harvey was a former Air Force pilot and was an experienced sailor who would captain the shit and he the shit uh, <laughs> the ship not the shit uh, and he brought along his wife. I, yeah, I struggled with this. I didn't know how to say it. <laughs> no, like D? Renee is spelled the same way and it's just a D. So is I think it it's Danae? Danae? That sounds feminine. Well, her first name was Mary. Danae. So. Right. Well, Danae is the information that I have well, that's uh, so over the next four days they headed east towards a tiny island chain called bimini then further east to sandy point a village on the southwestern tip of great abaco island and they spent the week snorkeling and collecting shells on pink and white beaches Aww. it actually sounds really nice sounds really it fun. does sound really nice minus the pink yeah no what, what are we what? talking about that'd be so cool to see dude one of the best places to fuck not to get off topic because we've done enough of that but, like, Salt Lake City, like, Salt Lake, the Great Salt Lake, it has, like, a reddish pinkish tint because of the algae that grows on the rock underneath. So it gives it, like, that really cool pinkish tint. Mm. Moving on. And there is Johnny's marine biology section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Useless we information. In Anytime, any day. Just give Johnny a call. His phone number is... I'm just kidding. No. I don't uh, even know my new number. So, <laughs> so early Sunday morning, Duperalt and Harvey stopped by the office of Sandy Point Village Commissioner Roderick W. Pinder to fill out some forms needed to return to the U.S. from Bahamas because I guess that is a thing that you have to do to leave Bahamas to come back. You have to fill out some kind of forms. Uh, and then Arthur told Pinder they had such a great time and, quote, this has been a once-in-a-lifetime vacation. We'll be back before Christmas. Unfortunately, that night – or – whoops, let me back up. That night, Danae made chicken. Uh, Meredith, you're rich. What is that word? Gajatory. See? I fucking knew you were going to know how to say it. Gajatory, bro. Hey, chicken gajatory. I said I had you're like rich. You know how to say you it. You called me a what? what? No. Rich. Oh, my I God. You're you acting like saying I'm why would I say? I don't know. That's what I thought I, you were saying. I, I was like, I don't understand what that has no. to do with cooking. I'm not rich either. I would never say. I that. had to no. Google it. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You, you don't. Oh, hold on. You don't know what the term "bitch" has anything to do with cooking. Stop. Okay. We had enough don't racism on the last episode. We don't need no, sex. No, no, I'm not being sexist. Look, we're moving on. Yes. Yes. It's a Okay. It's cacciatore. It's very common. Chicken cacciatore is basically chicken pot pie. Exactly. 
All right, well, she made chicken pot pie and salad for dinner. And unfortunately, that makes it sound so much less, like, fancy, chicken pot pie. It's like she got the no, one chicken that comes with the that's, that, Yeah, that's what's microwave. amazing about it. Yeah, chicken cacciatore. It's like, no, it's chicken pot pie. No. All right, well, unfortunately, this would be the last meal ever eaten on the Bluebell. And I'm glad you said woo-woo, Meredith. That was really good timing yep. when I said yeah. the terrible part. <laughs> and now it's out in the airwaves forever. Aww. So around 9 p.m., Terry Joe went below deck to her sleeping quarters in a small cabin at the back of the boat. Normally, Renee slept there too, but on this night, her younger sister stayed with her parents and brother on the deck in the cockpit. In the middle of the night, Terry Joe was woken up by the sound of her brother screaming, Help, Daddy, help. She heard the sound of running or stamping noises, then silence. She lay in her bed, terrified of what was going on, and after about five minutes, she slowly crept out of the cabin. She saw her mother and brother collapsed in a pool of blood in the main cabin, which was a kitchen and then a dining room during the day, and then at night, it was converted into a bedroom. She knew instantly that they were dead. Terry Jo slowly climbed the stairs and stuck her head out of the hatch to see what she could see. She saw more blood on the starboard side of the cockpit and possibly a knife. She climbed on deck and turned towards the front of the boat. Suddenly, Captain Harvey lunged at her and shoved her back down the stairs and shouted, Get back down there! She tried to avert her eyes from her mother and brother's bodies. She climbed back onto her bunk and she started to hear sloshing and soon she was being surrounded by oily smelling water. She saw Harvey's silhouette in the cabin doorway carrying something, possibly her brother's rifle. He stood there looking at her and then turned around and went back to the upper deck. Walter was now coming over the top, or... Did you say Walter? Walter? Fuck, I was... Yes, I said Walter. <laughs> Fuck, I was so, like... There's another the person story. on the ship uh, nobody knows about. His name's Walter. Yeah, I was like, that's when I read it, I was like, who the fuck He's is the butler. Walter? And <laughs> you sent him out there with them? That's fucked up. So, <clears throat> water was now coming over the top of her mattress, and she knew she needed to leave the cabin. She walked through waist-deep water to the stairs, and she climbed up. She saw the lifeboat and dinghy were beside the ship on the port side. She asked the captain if the ship was sinking, and he told her it was and handed her the rope to the dinghy. She was so scared, though, she dropped it. The dinghy was floating away from the boat, and Captain Harvey jumped into the water after it, and then Terry Joe stood on the sinking ship and watched Harvey disappear into the night. Luckily, she remembered there was a cork float on the boat, and she scrambled to it to untie it. And as she got it untied, the boat's deck sank beneath the water. So half swimming and half walking, she hopped onto the cork float and floated out to open water. But as she was floating away, the rope from the float snagged onto the sinking bluebell and started to pull her underwater as well as the cork float. Luckily, it was released, and her and the float popped back up above water. And she was trying, she was trying to lay low... Uh, on the float because she was afraid that uh, Harvey might be like waiting for her in the dark waters. So now this 11-year-old girl is alone in the middle of the ocean in the middle of the night and her entire family has been murdered. So with no food and no water and only wearing a thin white shirt and pajama pants, she was, uh, she was beginning to shiver because the temperature was dropping because it was getting uh, to like to be the middle of the night. It was pitch black dark and not even any stars in the sky, and then waves were breaking on her and picking her up without warning. Salt water was stinging her eyes, and the temperature was dropping more and more. And then to make matters worse, uh, it started to rain. So now she's, this poor girl is just freezing in, in, in the middle of the ocean just by herself on this shitty little raft. Basically, it's like 
like if you picture like a really small inflatable pool, it's like that, but the 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 part where you would sit is like mesh. Hmm. And she's she's sitting like over the side like she, her entire time like she's like her waist down is basically in the water the whole time she's out there. So after the sun came up the next day, it was Monday morning and she she warmed up but was soon met with another problem, exposure. So the sun's beating down on her and the temperature has rid, had risen to 85 degrees. Her her cork float was slowly disintegrating, exposing her legs and feet to the sharp teeth of parrotfish below the water. On Tuesday, she saw a red plane flying overhead, and she waved her shirt around. She waved and screamed, and everything she could do, hope everything she could do, hoping it would see her. And it even dived in her direction at some point. And I can't imagine the like relief she felt when she saw the plane coming towards her. But. Uh, it was actually so close, she could see the details on the underside of the plane, but the angle that the plane was at would have made it impossible for the pilots to see her. So, it's fast forward a little bit. Later on that afternoon, she's floating around, uh, and she sees shapes in the water heading towards her. So she's terrified, not knowing what it could be, obviously expecting the worst, but it turns out they were porpoises, which I think is like a dolphin, right? Yeah, it's, it's kind of like a dolphin. Okay. So there were porpoises, and she said she felt oddly comforted by them, and then they remained close by her, swimming with her as she floated for hours. Which is so... I feel like it's so weird. But then I I feel like I heard about, like, studies with porpoises and how they can, like, react to human emotion or something. They I feel like I read that. They react to human somewhere. emotions, so. and they're, like, wicked intelligent. So if there's this small yeah, they're very, person they're like in the middle dolphins. of nowhere, they're probably like... Porpoises, by the Google definition or whatever, they're a small-toothed whale with a low triangular dorsal fin and a blunt, rounded snout. So basically, I'm looking at a picture. It looks like a dolphin, but it doesn't have the pointy-pointy on its face. Got it. The pointy-pointy. There you go. Scientifically <laughs> spoken yeah. by Meredith, yeah, it does not have the pointy-pointy yeah, on their face. Yeah, dolphin with a shorter snout. Yeah. It's like exactly. the difference between like a beagle and a Boston Terrier. Well, yeah, well, I mean, that's what you're eating when you, you order ahi-ahi. So, it's not like an actual dolphin. It's that dude that's like the cousin of the dolphin. Great. Yeah, it's a cousin Never of the dolphin. Never heard of that, okay. but anyways. Well, you know, travel so, a little bit, you know. Get out, Meredith. I'm trying. Get off your damn Going boat. So, Tuesday night came and brought back the terrifying darkness of the unknown. But it also brought relief to her body because the sun wasn't beating down on her any longer. She drifted to sleep, barely clinging on to her life at this point. And the sun rose on Wednesday, but Terry Joe did not, and she stayed asleep. She finally woke up to a looming shadow over her, and the rumble of it was so loud that she could feel it in her chest. When she looked up higher, she could see heads and waving arms, and she could faintly hear voices. And then she felt herself lifted up, and she slid back into oblivion. Terry Joe was pulled from the ocean by the captain of a Greek freighter, Captain Theo. She was airlifted to Miami Hospital, and after a week, she was questioned about the incident, and her story directly contradicted Harvey's, who was also rescued. Harvey was floating around in a wooden dinghy, and a day after the bluebell sank, uh, a Puerto Rican-bound oil tanker saw him, and when the tanker got close, he shouted, My name is Julian Harvey, and I'm the master of the bluebell. Harvey told the Coast Guard he was the sole survivor of a grave accident. He said the ship had caught fire and sank, and he dove overboard to the dinghy, but everyone else was trapped on board because of the tangled rigging. Uh, 
A few days later, Harvey was told that Terry Joe had survived, and shortly after this, Harvey uh, killed himself inside of the Sandman Motel. Okay, so, so you know, good riddance. Um, really quick, like one place said that he shot himself, and then like three other sources or whatever said that. I personally found this he cut found this fun because I think he deserved it, but yeah. Basically cut himself in all the major yeah, arteries I'm... and bled out, which... Cool. See, Reader's Digest said is, is, that he is that uh, shot himself. Oh my himself. gosh, Johnny. What? <laughs> Your phone, dude. It's doing it again. Huh? Now it's not doing No, it's not doing it. Is it? Say is something. Something. It's kind of doing it. Well, let's just move on. We got, like, one... We got a little bit more to cover, and then we'll we'll be good to go, and we can worry about it next time. I, I, you know, uh, I don't appreciate you blaming the guy with the flip phone. Okay, maybe it's not me. Maybe it's you. <laughs> maybe maybe it's it you. is probably the guy with a phone from years ago, and not the guy with an iPhone. Right. Hey, this is a 2019 model, bro. Yeah, modeled after the 1996 model. Moving on. All right, so. Reader's Digest said that he shot himself, but a documentary that I watched said he cut himself. So I don't fucking well, know. Ter- like I, I'm not an investigative journalist. With Terry Joe, she said that he cut his ankle, his thigh, and his wrists. Well, whatever. He's fucking dead, so it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, no, I'm glad he's not around, man. It's a shitty thing to do. So, so Terry Joe's father, mother, brother, sister, and along with Danae Harvey were slaughtered at the hands of Julian Harvey. And it was believed that Harvey killed his wife for her life insurance money and was caught in the act by Duperall prompting the other kills. And Julian Harvey does have a history of this. A, a few, I think he was married like six yeah, times. Yeah, he was married and six times. And all of his times. wives died in like mysterious, yeah, died like mysterious Well, the one right before, like number five or whatever, her, she was killed in a car accident with either, I couldn't understand if it was his stepmom or his bio mom. They were both killed in a car accident, and they, like, had major amounts of money in the bank. So, yeah. he got it, it all. There was, like, plane crashes, like, other ships sank, and it was really suspicious. Really it was obvious that he stuff. was just a terrible person. Yeah. So, now we're going to talk about the USS Indianapolis, and I'm going to let Meredith take this one, because she did the majority of the research on this. I just watched, like, one documentary okay. on it, and that was enough for me, because this one's pretty... It's, it's, not, it's not as rough as the other stuff we covered, but just imagining it is... It's very scary. It, yeah, I think it is scary. And, like, when you said that you've never been on, like, a chartered fish boat or whatever, like, that's safe to me. But anything bigger than, like, a little boat is horrifying. I don't do well on, like, the bigger one. That's weird because I feel like most people feel safer on a bigger boat than they would on a smaller boat. Yeah, well, I'm weird. I actually enjoyed reading about this just because of, like, how much endurance it took to survive. So, like... The USS... It's very intense. It is, yeah. It's very intense. Um, The USS Indianapolis was a Portland-class heavy cruiser for the United States Navy. I had looked that up because I wasn't quite sure what that meant, but it's a big boat. It has, like, 58 caliber guns or something on it. I don't know. Well, yeah, there were, like, tanks and shit aboard it, too, because I looked at the wreckage photos, and if you look at the wreckage photos, it's very... Stuff like that freaks me out anyway, like stuff that's underwater that shouldn't be underwater, yeah. like sunken cars like and stuff. Like, it makes me uncomfortable. Cables? Yeah, I believe it was yeah. an amphibious assault ship, so it was a square deck. It was, it, was a, it was a flight deck carrier, but it wasn't like a 
Nimitz class carriers. So it was like a square rectangular deck, and it was mostly helicopters, not jets. And then yeah, the well, there was definitely like a tank yeah, on there, there, at least one. Well, no, no, no. Like so, machinery. so. Well, those things they transport everything a marine's gonna need. So, I mean, that's the name. Yeah, they had like we're, nukes we're, and we're shit. Well, this one, like, yeah, is? this one was the reason it got nuked, or not the reason it got torpedoed, or was it the reason? I don't know. Either way, it had like, yeah, you'll get to that. Why? It was. I think, given the year and the hostility between the two countries, it, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. I believe it, it was a Japanese torpedo, was it not? Yeah, it was. It was yeah, two, two of them. Two of them. them. Okay. Two out of yeah. six. So that makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, so the USS Indianapolis served as a flagship for the commander of the Scouting Force One for eight years, and then it was under the command of Admiral Raymond. I don't know how to say this, but it's like Spruance. Okay, that Spruance in nineteen forty-three to nineteen forty-four. Uh, he commanded the Fifth Fleet in the battles across Central Pacific during World War II. Um. 14 minutes into July 30th, the six-foot-long cruiser was hit with two torpedoes. So, yeah, two torpedoes out of six torpedoes. Um, by the Wait, six-foot-long cruiser? Is that no, right? No, 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 no. Uh, I think it was supposed to be something else. Maybe, like, 600? 600 feet? I don't know. No, because... No, so, a, a, a big, like, like, an amphib flight deck... Like, amphibious assault ship is going to be about 800 feet long. So, like, a, a smaller cruiser, like, uh, Indianapolis is probably... We'll just take that out. We'll just put the... Well, no, no, no. It's fine. Uh, just keep it. It, it. The Indianapolis is probably anywhere from, like, 400 to 600 feet long. I'm looking it up, but it's not coming up. Here, I just put... Just give it... Just give, give, given the, the size of machinery that was attached to it, like the tractors and such... It had to be at least four hundred feet long. Just because yeah, I yeah, mean, my first my first size, ship was uh, an amphibious assault ship. It was eight hundred feet long, fucking uh, like head to tail, and I mean it had. Uh, we carried, I don't know, forty plus helicopters, and then eight Harrier jets, and a couple of fucking like search and rescue helicopters. Like I mean, it was like you can carry a lot of shit on that. Fourteen minutes into July thirtieth, the U mm, July thirtieth, the USS Indianapolis was hit with two torpedoes out of six by the Japanese Imperial Navy's Corporal Sub. So hit so basically they hit them at twelve fourteen like AM. Yeah, exactly. Like it's mid like it's dark. Like yeah, it's pitch black, they can't see anything. And that'll come up later, um, with the captain of the ship. Um so the first torpedo blew away the bow. The second struck near midship. It blew away the little bow wow. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yes, yes, I just pictured him, like, on the end of the fucking ship. Like, little bow wow. It's, like, gigantic. Like, little there, mermaids you see on, like, right pirate now, ships. Try not to be too offended. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just saying. What if they had a wooden little bow wow on the front of it? Or the, what's the bow? Is that hey, the back hey, or the front? Hey, let's not make jokes about... The mighty United States Navy. I'm just saying it would be a good cosmetic to add to the bow because no, it it's, would be gorgeous. Thank you, because it's bow, little bow. What you yeah, get? It. No, no, I, 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 yeah, we yeah, got I it the first time. Joke. All right. Well, I just wanted to make sure everybody got that, it. You made sure. Yep. You fucking made sure. You did. I did. Meredith. <laughs> <laughs> 
You're on. Alright, I'm gonna try this. Alright. Yeah. So the first torpedo blew away the bow, and then the second one struck near midship on the starboard side, adjacent to a fuel tank and a powder magazine. Which so I for those who Johnny, what's a powder magazine? Well, first things first, starboard is the right side of the ship. Okay. Second question What's was, the other what, side called? What, what was the term? What, what's a powder magazine? What is that? Well, I mean, I don't know for certain, but I know what a magazine is, so I would just, you know, contextual clues, you know. Like so, it sounds like they had a bunch of gunpowder. Sure, I mean, it's World War II, so yeah, probably. Just like so they hit a fuel tank and a shitload of gunpowder, so it's like the worst <laughs> wow, things okay. that it could have hit. Yeah, I mean, once. I was in the Navy in the 21st century, so we used like literally like completely different ammunition. Shit's yeah, changed. We had so yeah, like there's a lot of stuff that they used that I have zero knowledge on. That explosion resulted in the ship splitting from the keel, knocking out all electric power. So now they they can't see anything at all, and it's like 15 minutes after 12 o'clock. Um, the ship yeah, sank. It's like pitch black dark outside. Yeah, you can't see anything. It's like Terry Joe can't see anything either. Mm-hmm. Um, Very dark. The ship sank in 12 minutes. I think they get it. Taking with her roughly 300 men out of the original 1,197. So the ship sank so fast that no lifeboats were deployed, and then no distress signal was sent out, so literally no one knew that this was happening. This was before, like, all the modern technology, so no one was looking for this ship to be, like, sinking, so they weren't sending help, you know what I mean? Like, they weren't sending helicopters To give you an idea of how fast this ship had to have sank. Twelve minutes is not a long time for a fucking ship to sink. So your your average Navy ship, I mean, it's like filled with shops and compartments and spaces, and every one of them has a watertight door. So if, you know, say, a torpedo hits, you know, starboard, right side, front, like, I mean, any compartments that are damaged from that blow you can shut off with a watertight door and the rest of the ship will float. So the idea is to make sure that you get all of those areas sealed off to where you can, you, you, you have these air bubbles that do not sink the ship. Yeah, but they weren't expecting it, so they didn't have a lot th- of th- That's the thing, yeah. Like, it, it, these, the, uh, yeah, but this, the, it blows my mind because, you know, as a sailor, like, every, every shop, every, like, the ship was manned all the time. Even when we were pulled in port, like you had duty sections that would make sure the ship was manned and all of the routes were, were, were done and all the stations were checked. I mean, you still had things to do. So it's, it's crazy to me that this ship was hit so sudden that there wasn't any kind of reaction from, yeah. you know, the defense. Well, to put it, like to put it in no perspective, like they weren't ready for it at all. To put it into perspective, the Titanic sank in two hours and forty minutes. No, I get that, but that, I mean and that was a, that was a that was a like a civilian like leisure type like. That's I true. Mean, that, they weren't like supposed to. It was be a civilian ship. ship. When you're talking about a military, I'm just trying to put it in terms that people will understand. The, you know, it may not make sense to even me because maybe ships like the Indianapolis and like older Navy. They were the ones that made the rules and procedures for the Navy that I served in. So, I mean, it, it, I'm not always going to be able to fucking relate. You right. know, it's like, okay, 
Okay, your ship is the reason that my ship has these rules. I just, I didn't have to go through them firsthand like these dudes did. Hmm. Well, you're lucky that you didn't, because oh, we're about to get sure. into that yeah, right now with these well, yeah, like this I mean, I, I mean six years pieces. at sea? Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely, like, I was at the, I, I was out in the middle of the Pacific for, like, at least five and a half years, and it was all sunset, sunrises, and kind of chilling and enjoying it. I didn't have these the worry of sharks yeah, yeah, yeah. and have half. these chaotic uh, crisis modes uh to you know deal with so it was nice right um yes yeah, so like you said there's no distress signals there's no lifeboats like there's nothing um out of the men who were left around 900 of them were stuck in the water um <coughs> like they can't they don't have any water they were stranded yeah, exactly they're stranded at sea they don't have anything. They're stuck in the sun. There's no shelter. Um, and there are sharks. So, some of the men... Well, not only that, they're dealing with dehydration. Yeah. They're dealing with saltwater oh, poisoning. You, yeah, along yeah, you're, with you're, all this you're surrounded shit. by water, and you can't drink any of it. Exactly. <laughs> well, some of them did. Well, no. Right, they like, that's the crazy. fun part. Like, yeah. Like, that's... I've always wanted to experience that just for the fun of it. But... Oh, have fun with that. Well, I don't think these guys had very much fun. Well, you know... Anyway, so yeah, these guys would fucking, they would resist it, and then they would eventually drink the salt water. Salt water would fucking affect them. They'd be delusional, and then, you know, they just kind of mm-hmm. drift off or, you know. So the first morning after the attack, sharks came, and inevitably one of the survivors would wander away from the group, and there would be a blood-curdling scream, then the body would go under, and the life vest would pop up, surrounded by blood. Can you just imagine, like, the fucking fear know. of knowing, like... Because you don't know it's going to happen. You're just sitting there waiting. Oh, man, I can't imagine. I can't imagine, like, just the the anxiety and, like, the hopelessness of, like, not knowing. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, like, then, like, you're swimming. Like, if you don't get eaten by the shark, you're swimming in your friend's body parts and blood because it's, like, right next to you. It's so right next to you. It's, like, touching you. So, Edgar Harrell. Edgar Harrell. Edgar Harrell, who was a Marine, survived, and I was watching an interview with him. It's like a, tw- I think it's like a twenty-minute interview or something on YouTube. You can go watch it. It's really, really good. Uh, but he told how he said how that he started in a group of eighty men. There's like there's there's a bunch of them out there, but they would group together to try to stay afloat and try to like fight off the the shark attacks that were happening. He said by the third day at noon, there were seventeen of them left in the group, and an hour before they were rescued, three of them were left. Yeah, was, and yeah, they were like in the middle of a fucking pool, like just. They were just waiting to yeah. get eaten, and I'm gonna read a quote by him, and it's, man, it's, watching him say this because I just I typed it up from the video, and it's just, okay, bef- man. Before I you can't... read it, before you read it, like it's, it's important. Like I know it's kind of hard for anyone who doesn't didn't serve, much less the Navy, to understand, but like the camaraderie and the brotherhood that you have with. As cliche as it sounds, yeah. Yeah, it sounds fucking stupid. I get it. But I've got closer friends from my six years of service than I do, like, that I grew up with, like, hometown, like, like lifelong friends. Like, I just, I, these guys are just, to give you an idea, and then we'll get straight to the story, but to give you an idea, like, boot camp alone, you show up to this place, and you've got a shower 
naked with each other and it's the it's the most uncomfortable thing if you've never done athletics or anything like you're just you know you just you and a bunch of dudes and fucking dicks hanging out so it's kind of awkward but by week three of boot camp you don't care anymore not only that but you're sitting there so like our our stalls like so we had like an aisle of stalls and you know you had an aisle and on each side was a toilet but we didn't have stall doors we had curtains so at first, you know, you're making sure that curtain's tight wall to wall, make sure no one can see you. But like by the work, like week three, week four, you've got your curtain open. The dude across from you has a curtain open. You're both taking a shit and just talking about each other's date, processing with each other. So when you get into these like stressful circumstances, it's just minuscule because you've, you've done these weird socially awkward things with each other where it's like whatever dude like this is like it's a thing we got to do so let's just take care of shit so when you're next to these guys out in the middle of the ocean and they're just getting picked off one by one by sharks it, it it's family like you're out there with your family it's rough it's mentally fucking crazy. to see it because like, yeah, i mean like, not only all of that but like from the get-go from basic training they pounded in your head like you need to die you need to be willing to die for the person next to you yeah dude and like that it's, dude like it's yeah, pounded and, in your head from beginning to end out. of service exactly yeah it's so it's, yeah it's just it's a anyway, it's a very so big mental strain yeah Okay, so this is a quote from Edgar Harrell, who was the Marine that we mentioned earlier. <clears throat> I wondered when I would look at a decomposed body that maybe if I checked him, the bottom torso was gone or he's disemboweled. Um, and um, you see maybe a body on an eight-foot swell and all of a sudden that swell breaks and that body comes down and he hits you and he leaves part of that residue on you. And you know, you see that and you wonder, is that going to be me tomorrow or yet today? And so you look up, and may I say, there's no such thing as atheists in foxholes. There were no atheists out there. Everyone prayed. I can hear those sailors praying out there today. God, I don't want to die. I've got a son back home that I've never seen, and I want to live. Like, that's, that's something like that's going to stay with you, man. And this dude's in his 90s, you know, and this was in World War II, so he was young back then, and he still hears that shit in his head all the time. Yeah, yeah sorry, I'm saying, he was young. He couldn't even fucking drink yet. And he experienced this. It's, I can't imagine what these guys went through, honestly. It's very, very hard to make this episode funny. No, man, no, I, uh, six years Navy, most of my time was spent in a bar, you know, doing, you know, unspeakable things. And no, I don't, I don't know what it's like to lose, uh, or witness like what what these guys went through. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, I can't. It kind of makes you I feel bad, imagine. you know. Like you know, even like I know several dudes that like served, and it just wasn't what they thought they would it would be. You know, it wasn't as heroic or it wasn't as memorable. And you it know, wasn't fucking Call of Duty. Right, right, right. And you know, you have these guys that lost and went through these like unspeakable things. Like, dude, I. Can't relate to that. I'm glad I had an easy time. Yeah, no, I'm grateful that I didn't have to do any kind of, uh, well, I wasn't put through any kind of serious trauma, but, yeah, it definitely makes you think, like, the dudes that, like, left the same time you did, but just a different branch, we came back different, we came back thinking it a little bit differently than one another, mm -hmm. and it's really interesting to, 
kind of get involved with. I would come home and I would talk to my my buddies that left when I did, but they were Marines or Army, and they just weren't the same. It just, yeah, it's uh, it takes a big toll on your on your mental state. Yeah, experiencing something like this. No, I mean my time out at sea in solitude. It was straining in its own, but it definitely, it's not comparable. So, yeah, I don't... It wasn't being torn apart by sharks, the stressful. No, I didn't see any of my, I didn't see any of my homies die, you know? Like, I, I, I'm grateful for that, for sure. Right. So. So they were stranded for four and a half days with no shelter, and they had a few lifeboats. Their life jackets, uh, at one point, weren't keeping them afloat anymore, so they had to just keep swimming. Uh, and they had no food and no water. But what they would do with their life jackets when they would start to, I guess, lose air or they would stop working, they would sit, they would they would put them underneath them and sit on them, and that would hold their head above the water, but they would still have to tread water with their arms. So they still, these poor guys still weren't able to rest after all this time. I mean, they're just... No, like, they, they didn't, can't they, tread water in your sleep. Flo- yeah, they didn't have flotation devices. It was them just, like, swimming. Was, no, they had life jackets on, but they yeah, weren't. Yeah, they, they, were, floating. I mean, they were just. They weren't they, like what they, you're picturing. Yeah, but they were like linked. They were linking arms and just relying on one another in the life jackets. They didn't have objects to float on, is what I mean. Like they. No, it wasn't. There like weren't the dinghies. Titanic with there a weren't. Door. Yeah, no, there was none of that. They were just fucking kicking fucking water. Did you guys? That's, Which I, just attracts fucking sharks. Did what? you guys have to like, like with Johnny when you were in the Marines or whatever? Did you have to? tread water as part of your boot camp or whatever uh i was in the navy, navy. but uh yeah no navy. it's part of the yeah and i mean it's part of it's silly because i mean you meet a lot of people in the navy that can't swim they just you know it's just the branch they chose or went into whatever but no in in basic training you have uh the, it's a giant like olympic sized pool and then you have like a it's a it's a platform that's like 20 or 30 feet above the water mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I mean, we, we take plunges off that, and then we have to, like, link arms and, and wade in the water for long periods of time. But, I mean, it's not like budsmen where it's, like, you know, training for fucking special ops or anything. It's just... Yeah, they don't, like, fucking no, tie yeah, your feet your hands basic, together and yeah, throw you in a pool. Yeah, it's just basic, just kind of testing your swimming ability. Like yeah. How, like how and how calm you can stay you. in yeah, a situation, yeah, that's, too. Uh, it's not too extreme. But, yeah. I mean, you, you still had a lot of, like... An example would be, like, we would do the pool where we would... We would jump off the platform and then we would wade. Mm-hmm. But let's say there's 40 dudes in the water, but there's only 20 life jackets. Right. So like guys like me, like I grew up on the water, so I'm a very strong swimmer, I think. Yeah. So I would opt out, like I would pass my life my life jacket on to like a, a, a weaker swimmer, and then we'd wade for a while and it was fine. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't G.I. Jane or whatever the fuck, you know, it wasn't, like, this extreme scenario that we'd see in, in, in a movie, but... Yeah. Yeah, it was, you know, it was just to test your basic swimming ability. Well, because, like... And these guys that do it, like, the cool thing about, like, when I think about these guys, and I, it could be a completely different scenario than what I'm imagining, but, you know, you're, you're issued these uh, coveralls in the Navy, and, you know, they're a working coverall, and they zip up, and they have a snap at the top, but... They train you in these pools to where, like, you can kind of, like, slap your arm like a whale arm against the water, fill your 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 coveralls full of air, turn over on your back, 
close the front of your coveralls and it holds that air in and you can just sit there and float. So, I mean, they give you techniques. Yeah, it's drown-proofing. We did that yeah, in Army, yeah, too, they, where they, they would have they, you, you take your uniform off in the water and, like, kind of capture the air. Right, that and canvas. And it would kind of make a flotation device. Yeah, But it's exactly. not going to keep it's, you afloat for four days. That, 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 the, those utility camis that, that you see at Military Inn, like, they're, it's that cross-stitch that it, it'll hold water, it'll hold air, and... And it, fucking heat, too. Yeah, and it'll show you how to, like, make it fill up with air that, that way you can float for a little bit, but... It, it still it still doesn't train you for like what was what, how how many days were these guys out? Four and a half. Four and a half. But yeah, it just it's and you're submerged. Plus, they're not in a pool where yeah, the water's you're, you're, calm. Yeah, you're, they're you're, dealing with the ocean. Well, not even just the waves. Let's say it was calm as shit. Mm-hmm. You're submerged in salt water, so like by the time you're rescued, like your flat your skin is just peeling off of you. Yeah, it's nasty. It's just yeah, yeah. It's it's. I took it's lifeguard it's very training rough. classes in the ocean and in the lake, and you'd have to tread water for 20 minutes with your arms, just your arms, and then the next week it was 20 minutes with just your legs, and then bumped up to half an hour and 40 minutes until you could do it for an hour. Yeah, that's, it's, I mean, it's a lot of work, especially <laughs> if you use flippers or anything. I mean, it's a workout. I oh, was, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was in, uh, I was on Catalina Island a few weeks ago, and I was, I had a group of kids out, and we were just snorkeling, kind of showing them like the the underlife, but. Not to get off topic too long, but yeah, I was just basically just treading water and using every fucking muscle that I didn't know I, I had in order to keep these. But if you think about it too, these guys aren't like, they're not in like wetsuits with flippers and fucking goggles. They have like heavy ass World War Two Navy boots on. Yeah, I mean that's and a, a uniform. Like, even it's if, not I mean, like, like even if it was like a new age boot, like dude, dude, sweater boots would. It's suck, once you fill up with dude. water, you're fu- It's that's fucking yeah. sucks. Even with regular sneakers on, for sure. Trying to swim with the shoes on is rough. Yeah. Plus you have your socks on and it's uncomfortable. No, no, I, no, I honestly completely forgot about that. Like yeah, it's like stepping be, in water with your suck. socks on, but your whole foot. Yeah. The crew on the PV Ventura is that I wasn't quite sure how to like say that or if I typed it up right, but um, they spotted the survivors on a routine patrol. Unfortunately, they were only able to save 316 out of the estimated 890 after shark attacks and, fati- and fatigue drastically lowered their numbers. Man, that's less than fu- that's less than yeah. half of these yeah. guys that were out there. Jesus Christ. Um, the sunken ship holds the greatest single loss of life at sea in the history of the whole U.S. Navy. Which, I it took me a, a second to, like, comprehend what that was saying. Because, like, it's not going to war and, like, you know, it's on one it's ship. It's not, like, one by one people, you know, dying. This is, one like, ship is one big, greatest, one yeah. incident. Rough. Like when you think about like nine eleven being the the largest casualty of like a single event we've had. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got navy ships. I mean, they're designed by. Except the, the government Amer- didn't well, do this. Well, it's just it's designed by the American spirit. Like these things are just they're tanks and they defend democracy. So like when one goes down, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a big deal. You're good. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta really get, like, when I stop talking, you gotta jump on that, Meredith. Sorry. You're gonna, yeah. Or he's just gonna start talking again. Yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'll just pick up. (laughs) Yeah, I get empty space, and I'll just fucking go. See, like, now. You gotta, like, interrupt. Like, to just, yeah. And I'm going, and I'm going, 
in your oh, laptop okay. here right now, so I'm just gonna keep going. You're gonna keep going. Among the men. So Meredith, talk. <laughs> there you go. Among the men who survived was Captain Charles McVeigh. Um, okay, I will say tone down the the chipperness a bit. But this is a dark uh, time. This is this made me really. This made me. <laughs> almost more sad than the entire thing because like I it kind of baffles my mind like how they could well this is just PTSD this, this part isn't but the next part is just it's PTSD like I just don't know how they could do this to him so the captain was basically he was held responsible for the all the lives lost but the reason he was like convicted of this was because he couldn't see properly. Like, that was his conviction. He wasn't able to see properly in the dark at 12 o'clock in the morning to Yeah, guide, he didn't steer, yeah, he didn't the, steer, he didn't the, steer the ship away. From, you know, the torpedoes. That like, it's a fucking Prius that you can just whip the wheel exactly. around and fucking get out of the way? Yeah, but you're on watch, man. Fuck that dude. He was on watch. It was his job. Like, And it's not just his job. It's it's You've got engineering. You have... You have like navigators that it's their job to be vigilant so not to be a stickler because it's typically not my style well, let's not blame any of the but victims I would who say during this but yeah that yeah like it's yeah you kind of just kind of gun decked your watch and now you're fucking you're fucked well it could also be that they just they needed they needed like a scapegoat that was I think that right, but there's, don't get me wrong I, I'm, I'm not like the guy the, the fall guy it's always a pitiful thing because okay let's take um, the USS Cole for example so USS Cole in the early 90s it pulled into a Mediterranean port and it had just tied off to the pier people were getting off going out and enjoying the liberty well this guy in a fucking fisherman's boat Rolls up right next to the boat. There's a guy on top of the fucking ship on watch. So the guy on the fisherman boat fucking looks up, makes eye contact, eye contact with that guy, and waves. Just gives him a friendly wave. The guy, the navy, the navy sailor gives him a friendly wave, and then three seconds later, that dude has detonated a fuck ton of explosives that were on that fishing boat at the hull of the USS Cole. So it's like, you know, you you. you you need to be vigilant, but you want to be, like, I don't know, what is it? A like, decent person as well. You don't want to be, like, you don't want, you can't, sus, you can't make, everybody it can't It sucks, yeah, it, it would suck to look at everybody as a suspect. But, because of the USS Cole, like, it, dude, watch is serious, man. You gotta be on top of your shit. Like, you know, like, when I was in, I stood a lot of fucking ship watches while we were in port. Just patrolling the fucking, I'd be on, like, the little dinghy boat with an M16, just like making circles around the boat, making sure no one got too close. So it's like you know stories well, like that that make you really think. Like, dude, it can get serious. You can never really be too careful. Quick. No, yeah, you don't want to be an asshole that thinks that everybody's a terrorist. But at the same time, you're like, dude, just because you wave, everybody at me can be. Yeah, you, yeah, your wave doesn't mean we're homies. Like, I've still got. Well, just like in the in the Iraq War, they had a time where kids would come up to the soldiers. And fucking detonate a bomb. Like their parents would detonate the kid and blow up oh, the, yeah. the yeah. soldiers. So Just it got to yeah, the point I mean, where like, you couldn't be, even let kids come up to you. Right, because well, yeah, we're fighting you trust with the kids. Morals. You know, we're, we're the only ones fighting, you know, according to the G- Geneva Convention. So it's like, you know, you see a kid, you don't want to fucking shoot him right off the bat because it's a fucking kid. Right. But, but the other team. I'd hate to be the person that has children. to do it. Yeah, no, it's like, dude, yeah, like, yeah, I mean, it sucks, but. 
d- democracy. I don't, it's, it's a really squirrely situation because, you know, war is... It's very high stress, and we appreciate uh, all of... Yeah, no, I don't want to be, like, anti... Like, I mean, I served. You know, I'm glad I did. I'm, I'm, I'm still pro-military, but at the same time, it's like... Some of the decisions, it's like, fuck, dude. The, the, it's not even yeah, the it U.S. Sucks. Like, I wouldn't even, like, blame the U.S. It's like the world is just so fucked as far as... Gover- well, let's not get into a political no, debate. No, and here. I don't want to uh... go there, but, you know, as far as, you know, being on a ship in the middle of the ocean for your country, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So, 1968, the beloved captain of the USS Indianapolis shot himself inside his home with his service weapon before he could see uh, his name cleared. So, Noble man. that's just... That's honorable. I mean, that's, that's p- another casualty of war here. if you look at it. I, I mean, mean, I hate that he had to whenever... do it. Yeah, I, I, I hate that he had to do it, but I, I, I understand why he did it. Well, it's I th- in my opinion, I don't think it's considered still like a casualty of war, but I think when soldiers come back with PTSD and this becomes their fate, I think that it definitely should be considered I don't, a, a casualty of war I don't because think, they wouldn't have done it other, otherwise. I mean, I, you know, I don't want to bro- uh, I don't want to broaden it with PTSD. I would say that a, a guy like that, like I mean, it, it, old school Navy, like you command a ship, you are in charge of a group of men, and if that group of men does not make it back, you feel responsible and you have that guilt on you. So, right. It, it, I mean, it, it doesn't surprise me that a guy like that, that devoted himself to the fucking country, to, to, to the men he worked, to, to, that worked under him, yeah, he'd come back a little fucked up. Like, it hasn't, I, I don't even think that's PTSD. Like, it, it, it's just guilt. I mean, yeah, it, it falls under the umbrella of PTSD. It's like, yeah, 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 post traumatic. You know, it was, it was fucked up. But I think it just, when you're talking Navy, it's specific to, um, you know, the code of the sea. You know, you go down with a ship, you fucking, you know, your men are your fucking responsibility kind of thing. Right. Fuck so yeah, Navy. So, on August of 2017, what? I just said, fuck yeah, Navy. Just go Navy. <laughs> fucking, fuck yeah, Navy, dude. Navy is fucking dope. I'm so, glad I'm in out. August of 2017... <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Hey, 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 the other day, I was <laughs> Let fucking me get Home through Depot. this. What? Your gaps are just Home long Depot. as fuck. Huh? I blame my your gaps. gaps. I'm trying. I'm talking, and you start talking over me. Maybe it's That's the, not maybe, a gap. Maybe it's a foot phone delay. I don't know. <laughs> it's just a delay. Whatever. <laughs> uh. In August of 2017, Paul Allen financed a search team to locate the wreckage of the cruiser in the Philippine Sea. Uh, it was lying approximately 8,000 feet below the surface. Uh, you can Google the photos that they took, like we were talking about earlier, and it's, to me, it's haunting, but, I mean, you might be into that. I think it makes me very uncomfortable. I liked looking but at But in them. December of last year, I do not. I, it makes me v- feel very weird. Uh, but in December of last year, the crew of the USS Indianapolis was awarded a Congressional Gold Medal, and out of the 316 survivors, there are 19 alive today. And they still get together at least once a year. And I was also reading that they hold a not like a seminar, but kind of like a kind of like a seminar, where anyone's invited. They can come and they the guys will talk. And then, but unfortunately, uh, as these guys are getting older, there's less and less of the survivors coming in because they're dying, you know, of natural causes or what have you. Because they are they are uh, in their 90s now. Most of them are in their 90s. They are getting very old. But uh. 
Yeah, it wasn't our goal today to depress you guys and go into my and Johnny's military history, but I guess it kind of just came with the uh, with the topic. It started uh, bore you. you it started bore you. <laughs> Do you guys have anything else? No. No, that's it. Nope, no, right. but I would say that, like, you know, I mean, give you an idea of like age and generation. Um, my grandfather just turned 95 this past March, and he was a World War II vet. So, it just yeah. So these guys are they're old. And they're there's not very many. Up there like, now. If you end up in a room with four different World War II vets, like, take advantage of that. That's like, rare. Uh, yeah, yeah. You don't yeah. run into that kind of thing. So, yeah, they're. Uh, you don't even have to talk about war, you know? You could be a left-wing fucking, you know, anti-war dude and just fucking get to know their circumstances. But, yeah, they're very rare and they're dying off, and let's fucking enjoy their presence while they're here, man. God bless you, John Howard Morrison Sr. Good man. Navy man. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Well, that's Johnny's closing arguments. Oh, so, dude. uh Yeah. So, yeah, uh, that wraps up our shipwreck episode of with Terry Joe and the USS Indianapolis. You can follow the show at uh, the Chilling Truth Podcast on Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram at How the Dads Chill. You can follow Johnny at Johnny Two Jokes. You can follow Meredith at MJ underscore Bolt 18. That's B U L T, not B O L T. I know I listened to the last episode and it sounds like I say Bolt, <laughs> but it's Bolt, like B U L T. Yeah, uh, and you can follow us on Twitter at the Chilling True. Uh, if you have time, it would help us out so much if you guys could go on to the iTunes podcast app on your phone or on your computer or however you have to do it, uh, and leave us a review on there and let us know what we're doing good on the show, what we're not doing good on the show. If you want uh, something different, if you think we could improve on something, let us know. We always want to hear your feedback. Uh, if I'm I don't know if it's on Android yet. I don't think it is, but you can on I on uh, Apple, the App Store. I know for sure you can download Anchor, which is our podcast uh, hosting site, and you can actually go on there. If you search us, you can send us a message on there, and you can also listen on there. Um, and yeah, you can send us a message, let us know how we're doing. You can actually send a voice message too. So if you want to yell at us about <laughs> something that we offended you about like a I Japanese like those, accent man. or something. Give us negative feedback. We want to hear yeah. from you. Yeah. We do. I like, do you want to hear I from like the uh, mean shit. Give us the mean shit. I want the nice stuff, well, not the mean stuff. I I, I like, I want a little bit of both. I'm not leaning towards one way or the nah, other. Nah, man. I will take nah, I what we can feel, get at this point. I want to feel so shitty when I do get done reading those fucking comments. Well, like, I'll call you after we get done with yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. I was thinking the same thing. I just want to wallow in my own fucking despair, just like. Uh, Johnny is drunk. Uh, if you guys can tell, <laughs> I am drunk. Chipper, I am drunk. Um, wonderful yeah, attitude right uh, now. Yeah, no, I was drunk by three o'clock today. Uh, mountain Living standard life time. On the wild side. I don't know if that uh, is mountain standard even a thing. It's mountain time. You know, Arizona. I'm gonna go ahead and close the episode out. So. Yeah, whatever, man. <laughs> let's fucking, let's fucking right. close it. Let's I'm close this to. motherfucker. Uh, so we will catch you guys uh, probably in about two weeks. And we'll catch you guys on the flippity flip. Bye. Later. Later.